Shonda. I'm Betsy. And welcome to the first official. It's official. This is the official. Scandal podcast. We were told to say that this is official because it is. And the only one in which Shonda, who actually created the show, will be talking about scandal and I will be bothering her. Scandal talk. Which is sort of endlessly entertaining for both of us. Our podcast is Scandal Revealed. It has a pretty kicky title. It does have a kicky title. We actually used to do podcasts that didn't have titles, and apparently we've been upgraded in the ABC lexicon to have a title. And what I love about it is that on the show scandal, if the scandal is revealed, things are bad. But here, when the scandal is revealed, it's good. It's good. It's good. So that's actually going to be kind of good. That's kind of exciting. So, um... Do you think we should talk super fast at Scandal Pace and try to get the I think actually we should. That would actually be really, really good. I think that would be really, 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 really good. We actually could, could, could. You know, it's really amazing because I was so excited at the end of last year because everybody was super, super, super on the fence about who's Quint Perkins, who's Quint Perkins, who's Quint Perkins. It was pretty awesome. Oh, my God. That was really good Scandal Pace. Thank you. I, I, I I've been stopped. trained really well. My lips got confused. At the end of last season, two things happened that I thought were really interesting. Yeah. The audience fully went over into a place where they were really rooting for Fitz and Liv. Yeah. To make it as a couple, which I loved. Um, and everybody in the world has been wondering who is Quinn Perkins. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, weird, the amazing thing about the Fitz and Liv thing is I remember first and second episodes having really interesting, different conversations with people about mm-hmm. how they felt about Fitz and how they felt about Liv. People really had strong feelings. They Sometimes really they, hated him. they hated him. Some people loved him. Some loved people thought, him. I got a lot of tweets that, you know, Liv was lots of words I probably should be able to say in a podcast. I was actually did have a conversation because I don't tweet. I just have conversations with people and I don't tweet. I know I should tweet. You tell me that tweeting. <laughs> Betsy's having a hard time with the technology. It's actually tweeting. what's great, though, is all of you guys do and the actors do. And it's terrific. But people keep saying, like, she's a whore. And also that he initially people were like, he's, he's a bad guy. Well, you didn't know. I mean, the truth you is. You didn't. What was nice was that in the beginning, Liv didn't know if he was a bad guy That's or not. right. Did he have sex with Amanda Tanner? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Did he kill Amanda Tanner? Not on no, purpose. No, no. Unwittingly. I mean, he let Cyrus off his leash, but not on purpose. Indirectly. Yeah. Yes. And I also think what's great about that character is that he very often doesn't totally, fully realize the ramifications of his actions. These things hit him later. He's a man trapped by circumstance. He is a man trapped I have by great um, affection for, for Fitz because I feel like the poor guy, you know, greatness was thrust upon him. I mean, he was not a man who went looking for greatness. Greatness was thrust upon him, and now he's in this position, and he is surrounded by sharks. One of my favorite moments in the last episode is that moment between Olivia and Cyrus when Cyrus points out to her that he's a man that was born to be great. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with a man that's born to be great? You yeah. have to help him be great. Fitz, I guess, could go. You know, we joke about it in the writer's room. We talk about it. They're going to buy a bookstore in Vermont <laughs> and make jam together. But the reality of it is, is while that sounds like a really charming life, yeah. Fitz would enjoy it for about five seconds and live maybe for about one, by the way. Uh, so, by the way, just as a side note, we've often talked about what it would be like well, if we could retire. That's my fantasy. My yes. fantasy life is to move to Vermont and just make She's jam. She's talked a lot about in a jam. bookstore. Bookstore, jam, mm-hmm. that's the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, neither one of them can ever possibly live that dream. It doesn't make any sense for them. They work on too high a frequency, too. Olivia Pope would end up fixing everyone in their small town. It's true. They're adrenaline drunkies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it, drunkies or junkies. Drunkies. Adrenaline junkies. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, I feel like this world fits them. And Liv is as much a part of this world, in a way, way more so than fits. I think absolutely. Liv belongs there the way Melly belongs there, the way Cyrus belongs there. And she also, because she's interested in constructing the world, which mm-hmm. is a lot what she does. Which is something you're going to see a lot more of as we head into this season. You know, you're going to get to 
know a lot more about Melly and you're going to get to know a lot more about Cyrus and a lot more about Liv and sort of their ambitions, which is going to be interesting. Let's talk about Melly because Melly, I think for both of us, is one of our favorite characters because we both really actually sympathize with Melly a lot. Melly was a revelation to me in a lot of ways. When mm-hmm. I first started writing this show, I thought that Melly was going to be kind of bland and not that interesting. And then when I really had to step into her shoes to write who she was and how she was feeling, it got interesting. I think also what was great was when we cast Bellamy. Bellamy is this apple-cheeked sweetheart. She looks adorably she sweet. She just looked like just mm-hmm. she's straight off the turnip truck. She's just adorable. And when you started looking at her work, you immediately gave her this subtext. Yeah. Because what is it like when you meet a woman like that and you give her a real deep well, and, subtext? And that's the thing that I thought was really interesting was the more we I thought about her and the more we talked about what it must be like to be First Lady, the more I began to think about all the secrets you must have to keep oh, and yeah. all the sacrifices you must have to make. Yep. The idea that Melly is a smart, functioning, fabulous woman, I mean, I think there's a scene in, the, in episode six of the first season where she says she was first in her class at Yale Law and Fitz was, you know, second. The idea that she was such a strong, formidable woman. I, you watch these women, you know, do this job and basically subvert themselves for their husbands. I mean, we watch it happen now, now. And all the time. And it's a little bit stunning to me. And you begin to think, what must it be like to be that woman? And if you're a woman like Melly, who's also dealing with the fact that your husband is clearly betraying you on many a level, what does that mean as well? Very often, this story would be told from the point of view of the wronged wife. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's great about this show to me is it's told from the point of view of the wronged wife and of the mistress. Yeah, I mean, you come well. You come at it from the point of view of the mistress, and then you sort of discover the point of view of the wronged wife, which I really like. Which is great, and mm-hmm. I think gives hope for all the wronged wives and mistresses in America. I mean, the show. There's a lot of really powerful. There are two very powerful women in the show, and what I really loved about the finale was the idea that while Fitz may be the president of the United States, the First Lady and Liv decided exactly what was going to happen to him. That's they right. decided his fate. They created um, whatever was going to happen and, and made it happen so that he was left with nothing more to do than say his lines. It's true. And, yeah. it, you know, in his own way, too, Cyrus kept the wolves at bay. Well, yeah, Cyrus does that a lot. In his own way. Yeah, in his own dark ways, yes. <laughs> Although I've got to tell you, one of the best surprise not surprises as much as reveals in terms of a personality of Cyrus was meeting Dan Bukatinsky, his husband. Yes, discovering that he was married to James. And James is so fabulous and wonderful, and I'm very much hoping we see some more of James in yes. the coming season. I think we're going to see more of James. I think we better, mm-hmm. because James is delicious, and the two of them together that are super funny. That is going to be a very interesting storyline. You know, it's also, I think fascinating this group of people that work with Olivia you know yes I call them the OPAs now the OPAs the, the Olivia, Olivia Pope, Pope Associates. Associates yes the OPAs <laughs> um, it's a really good group of people and what I think is interesting about them is is a they all have their own specialties b they really do believe as much as they joke about it the gladiator in a suit mentality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they really do feel you know have sort of bought hook line and sinker to whatever it is that lives selling and believe in it and they really do feel like they're helping people in a lot of ways yeah and there's a loyalty there that sort of can't be denied that is tested when they discover that Quinn Perkins has been among them all this time and her name is not really Quinn Perkins. Her name isn't really Quinn Perkins. Which is what I love about the finale is that moment when they realize that there start to be cracks in, in the in the sort of armor of everyone there. Yeah, because you know what I think? I think especially Gladiators Abby. Gladiators wear armor. They do, right? Gladiators? Knights wear armor. Gladiators, like like Spartacus? No. Yes, that's what I was wondering about Spartacus. They wear like Russell Crowe. 
Remember Russell Brown? Loin clothy things. Yeah. Things like, yeah. Yeah. You can't see what I'm doing with my hands. I'm making lots of gesticulations. We're just imagining Russell Crowe in a loincloth. It's, it's, by the way, perfectly entertaining. Yeah. Give us a minute. Maybe we should take a scandal minute, which is a real minute. Which, by the way, is true. Yeah. When they say one minute, one minute, that was one minute of screen time. It is. I'm very proud of that. She timed it. I did. I made sure. She did. She timed it. And she said in the script, one full minute of screen time where they just hold each other. And we actually got that going. It was great, and there's this really pretty music that plays behind it that always made me sort of I cry. love them. The, the band who does that is called Album Leaf, by the way. If you're looking for that music, and you're going to hear some more Album Leaf this coming season because we've used a couple of other songs because they're amazing. I also love, um, actually, the guy, Chad Fisher, who composes for us. Yes, we have an amazing composer named Chad Fisher. Who, who also works on private practice. Who creates incredible music for the show. Um, and if you look at it, actually, this is a guy who... Like some of these cues are six minutes long, and he, oh, yeah. he doesn't even break and he a sweat. does he he manages to to bridge all kinds of different emotions and moods and and let's also give a shout out to I don't know the music the music that we use from Alex Patsavis, oh, which yeah. is just an amazing seventies funk sound that we've got going. And I gotta say, when we were doing the pilot, um, we shot this pilot. We were super proud of it. I mean, we're really really excited. And Shonda started working on the cut, and one of the first things you came up with was you had this thing in your head about late 60s, 70s funk. Yeah. That was, you just got this bee in your bonnet about it. And yeah, it was so weird because it, I, it's not something I ever would have thought to place before. There's something about the pace of the show and the speed at which it moves. And there's something that's so sort of super cool about the the world that they're working in that makes you want to work in it too that required that music. And man, it, it, it takes some cojones to put Shaft, you know? I know. It's which, very exciting. It was for super Shaft the in. theme for Shaft, which just made me so happy that I went home mm-hmm. and I played the, the CD because I still have them. On, <laughs> we had so much on my fun. Victrola. We have so much fun placing that music because it's it's just you find these great amazing songs. And it's actually got us listening to that music again. Which yeah, that's really fun. Which is about really it. fun. My daughter, who's ten, thinks that all this music is current because it's all clears in the house now. That's see, that's just yeah, great. incredibly super awesome. So I think the big, you know, hanging question of this coming season to start with is, who's Gwen Perkins? Who is Gwen Perkins? And I can say from somebody who's not writing but works down the hall from the writers and watch them, they've been working incredibly hard all summer to to tell you in the most dramatic and fabulous way possible. It's true. Who Gwen Perkins is. And I, I for one, um, was really not disappointed and very excited. That is good because I have to say I spent many a sleepless night worrying you, you that did, people that... would be disappointed when they found out who Quinn Perkins was. But I think we found a way to make that story really sort of sing in its own way. And it has a excitement to it and it builds to something. And there is a moment at the end of the first episode that sort of leaves you gasping, I would hope. Oh, it definitively does, I think. And it's the first of several moments at the end of episodes that leave you gasping. Yes. In, I would like to say, the scandal tradition because that was one of the things that last season was very important incredibly exciting that at the end of every episode there was some amazing piece of information that's just dangled in front of you you can't just end and sort of have everything seem like it's all solved i was like i always want you to end going oh my god i have to see the next one it's true and you know i think the backdrop and the backbone of this entire thing is this amazing love that cannot happen I know they love each other, but they can't be together. Right? They just can't be together. It's like... It makes me very sad. It makes me so sad, but it's so exciting to watch that these two people can't be together. And, and they're things amazing that are bigger than together. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to say that as we start this next season, there's something that starts happening in the first couple of episodes 
which is so funny and wonderful and charming yeah. to watch that I just can hardly wait for everybody to see it because it's so good. I know. I, I This is the hardest podcast in the world to do because we can't tell you anything that's going to happen. I can't wait for the podcast where the discussion is about what you just saw. What you just saw because... Like, you think that actually what we spend our time doing is figuring out ways not to tell you things. Which I think is hilarious. We want to tell we everything. We want desperately to I tell des- you. But I feel like we can't, we don't want to ruin anything. Because it's so good that if I, I because describing it just isn't as good as watching it. That's know? what I always think. I never understand why people want spoilers so bad. I know. Like, don't you want to discover it? Like, why do you want to know ahead of time? I know. It's like, I've never wanted it's to like eat It's like knowing what's first. in your Christmas package or something. You know, there might be a pony in it. What do you do if you open up the, the box, box and there's a pony? And there's a pony. I hope and then, that you knew the pony was in there and that somebody fed him. Well, Otherwise, I, you have a dead pony. I think. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you open the box, maybe something special is inside and you wouldn't want to know what it is beforehand. That's absolutely right. And it probably isn't a pony. So I think the good part is that we're trying to let you know in our clumsy and silly way, this is going to be a really, really, really good season of Scandal. And we're not even pulling the wool over your eyes because it really is. Because yeah. I've seen it and I didn't write it which is where I'm really trustworthy because I can say it. I'm really excited about this season. I feel like we've stepped up our game, which is, oh, yeah. you know, great. And I feel like, you know, the first season of a show is you're, you're, you're learning the show and figuring out how to do the show and what you're going to do. By the second season, you're sort of singing along, and now we're, ha- we're just having so much fun. And the table reads are fun, and the actors the are all excited. The table reads are really and, fun. And I feel like the stories that we're telling, hopefully, will keep you on the edge of your seat, but also keep you fully entertained the whole time. And look, I think the other thing is it's the nicest cast you've ever met in your life. The nicest cast in show business. They really genuinely all like each other. They, they're like best friends. They're all like best friends. They voluntarily email each other and stuff. They have gestures they make to they're give fun. support. They're really, yeah. really fun. And also they're kind of hysterical. They have really good senses of humor, which is great. They do. They crack each other up, which is super awesome. So a lot of the stuff that you're seeing, the camaraderie that you're seeing on camera actually really exists, it's which true. is what's really yeah. nice. It's really true. It's nice. It's, it's great to sort of see that kind of chemistry at work. Absolutely. Our debut is Thursday. September 27th. At 10 o'clock. And 10 p.m. That's 10 p.m. And that's, that's just not a, past your bedtime, by the way. It's not past your bedtime, and that's it's just an hour later than another program. Another, which is actually true, and which is the Grey's Anatomy program, which isn't being revealed on this particular podcast. No, but it's not revealed. I just thought I'd point it out. i point it out exactly. Also, while you're watching, you might want to watch Private Practice. Private Practice, which on is on Tuesday, Tuesdays. the 25th at 10 p.m. 10, 10 p.m. 27th, 10 p.m. Gather your friends. Oh, 9 p.m. if you're in the central time. Shout out to my Chicago people. That's good. Gather some friends together. Yep. Open a bottle of wine. Yep. Liv really likes popcorn and wine. If you're she old does. enough to drink wine, if not, open some water. Some water is good. Some soda. Some soda is good. And or she would say in the Midwest, pop. Some pop. Some pop. Open I think some on the of that. East Coast, they say seltzer. That would just be for sparkling water. Oh, see, I don't know. This, this, I don't okay. know. That's I'm why it's good. You're from the Midwest, and mm-hmm. I'm from the East Coast. So we're covering we're all the bases. The we're both us yes. here. So we're actually like food of all yeah. nations. Have That's a party good. and check out Scandal. Definitely. And I, we're really excited to hear your feedback, your thoughts. and I'm really excited to hear how people take this first episode really and what they too. think. That's going to be really intriguing. I'm going to probably like try to watch on Twitter and see what you guys tweet. Oh, that'll be good. She can use her special newfangled technological like devices. Yes. Yes, I can. I can work as if it is 2012. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a joy and a pleasure to be back uh, yes. doing a podcast. Here. Yes. This is Shonda. This is Betsy. And this has been Scandal... Revealed, the official Scandal Podcast. Mm-hmm.